If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Beyond the Paper Gown, hosted by Dr. Mitzi Krakover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App. And that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Nurse Wellness Podcast, empowering nurses to manage stressors so they can intentionally reconnect with their purpose, optimize their wellness, and ultimately show up in the world the way they want to be seen. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Wendy Garvin-Mayo, your stress solution strategist. In this podcast, you'll receive actionable stress management tips, insightful interviews, and strategies that focus on inspiring you to be your best, do your best, and give your best. With that, let's get started. All right. Welcome, Dr. Immaculate Can. I'm so excited that you are here joining us on the Nurse Wellness Podcast. How are you today? I am doing great. It's another phenomenal, beautiful day. The sun is out and um, and it's a wonderful thing. Awesome. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your nursing career journey? Absolutely. Um, I live in Stratford, Connecticut. I am currently working for the state of Connecticut Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services, where I am the director of education staff development. I have um, I have a wonderful husband. I have to make sure I include him. Awesome, awesome men, and I'm truly blessed for that. I have um, four children. Um, three are living right here in Stratford with me, and one in Florida. I have five grandchildren, believe it or not. I see Miss Clarel quite a bit to keep those grays out. <laughs> and, um, and what I can say is life is beautiful. Um, how did I start my nursing journey? It started you know, where I had a fire in my belly to change what I saw in nursing in terms of my personal experience. Are you feeling stressed? or overwhelmed in your personal or professional life? If like so many of us, the answer is yes, register for the free Stress Solution Series to learn how to craft your very own personalized stress blueprint on March 28th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Secure your spot at www.stresssolutionseries.com. I was a very young mom. I was only 17. Um, in a hospital in Brooklyn, New York, giving birth to my first child. And the initial experience was not good. The nurse um, at the time who was taking care of me, for me, was not really exemplifying what nursing should look like. And she was belittling me, demeaning me. Um, She said, well, you are in pain. You got yourself here in this in this position, and you young people go out and get yourself pregnant. This will teach you not to come back here again. 
and I was in labor for 28 hours. Um, I end up having a C-section because I was just not producing. Um, so she was with me for about eight hours. So that was not a very good experience. And through all the pain and suffering that I, I was going through, I think at that time I make a determination. I'm going to be a nurse. And I want to be able to provide a different type of care. The next nurse who um, came on, just a total end of the spectrum in terms of the care that I received. She truly exemplified what nursing should be. She was very caring, um, very understanding. She made sure that I, I received my medications and um, very supportive that I was alone by myself. Um, my husband at the time could not be with me because we didn't have the funds for him to feed the meter for him to be by my side. So I was by myself, but she really showed me a different type of nursing. And not only that it put a fire in my belly to become a nurse, it also put a fire in me to be an educator so that I can teach um, other individuals coming into the nursing field what nursing is and what it should look like and the proper care you should be giving to your clients. So that's really how my journey, it started with um, the thought of, of going into nursing. And from there, it's always, my life has always been about making a difference. You know, I've turned my trials, tribulations, challenges into positive and making a difference. And that's why today I am not only, I cannot, cannot only say that I'm a, I have my doctorate degree, but I am also teaching others um, the true meaning of nursing and what we should do as nurses um, in every aspect, whether it's from the bedside to the boardroom, um, to speaking to your um, legislation, you know, et cetera. So, and I'm loving it. I love it. I love every minute of it. Yes. Yeah, so nurses are nurses at heart. Uh, you have to love it because of, you know, what we do. And I always say it's a privilege to be involved in someone's life at that time. If someone's encountering you in the healthcare system, right? Um, sometimes it's, they don't want to be there, but they're there, <laughs> right? Absolutely. It's a privilege to be there with them and help them navigate through whatever, whatever they're going through. So, um, you know, you're a nurse at heart. And when you leave, you know, the hospital or healthcare institution, you are still a nurse, right? So absolutely. And you know, what you just said, just really hit it home, um, especially now during the pandemic, where a lot of clients, um, patients did not have their family members with them. They were communicating with their families through a telephone. You know, who did they really have? They really had the nursing staff. You know, the medical staff were there, you know, to come in and, and um, dic dictate and um, put a plan of care in terms of, you know, their treatment as it relates to medicine and so on and so forth. But it was really nursing. It was us that was there in the front line and giving them hope. And that's really, and that's who they had. And more than ever, this pandemic really 
um, clearly show the importance of having good individuals in the nursing field. So um, you, you just really, you know, put the cherry on top in terms of what you just said. Yes. Yes. I wrote an article called uh, Standing in the Gap, Nurses Standing in the Gap, specifically for oncology nurses, but, you know, it, it can relate to any nurse in any profession, because during this pandemic, like you said, we are the ones standing in the gap, right? We are the liaison between the patient and their families, the patient and the doctors. Um, you know, we, we were it. And at the same time, helping comfort patients physically, emotionally, comforting families emotionally from a distance, right? Yes. While we are still going through our own emotions and our own stressors, our own personal stressors. So you know, this pandemic nurses have been, you know, front and center. So I just yeah. want to thank all the nurses out there who are listening to us. Thank you so much for your service during this time. Yes, absolutely. Thank yes. you for your kindness and for your empathy and, and the love that you have for the for this profession. Absolutely. We see you and we appreciate you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that gave me chills. Yes. <laughs> Um, so back to your nursing journey. So did you um, go to a four-year degree school? Did you get your associate's degree? How did you kind of navigate from, you know, um, nursing to your doctorate program? Can you take us through that yeah. journey a little bit? Absolutely. Well, one would say that I'm a professional student. <laughs> I actually started um, with my associate degree. And um, I have um, an associate in arts. Then um, my introduction to nursing is a diploma in nursing. Then I went back and got my bachelor's in nursing. I have um, uh, another um, bachelor's, primarily the focus is business. And I have a master's degree in um, education and health education, I should emphasize. And then I got my, um, my doctorate degree. Now, after I obtained my master's, my husband said, this is it. You are done. No more school <laughs> because <laughs> you have been in school from the time that we have been together and you are still in school. So I said, no, I really, I really need to get my doctorate because I needed to do it for me. I needed to do it for my dad, who I promised him. And although he had already passed away, he didn't see me graduate, but it was important that I followed through my commitment and honor his memory um, for him. But I also did it for my profession. Um, it is just so important for the new generation coming in, you know, to see us not settling to, to be at a, an associate level or bachelor's degree level. If it is your choice to be there, then that's fine. Um, if it is your choice to be a bedside nursing, that is awesome because we need nurses in all level of the spectrum and that's okay. But when you further your education, you see things with a different lens. Your interventions are done in a different manner. The care that you provide and the delivery of care that you provide and the input that you have at the table is a little bit different when you have that educational background. 
when you are involved in your community and you are educating your community or educating your legislators or whoever that you're speaking to, it makes a difference when you have that educational um, background to support what you are saying. Um, so have, getting a terminal degree, I will recommend to every nurse who can do it because there is a difference. And I can personally say there is a difference because I've been through that journey, you know, from the associate level to um, bachelor's level to the master's level to the doctorate level. Um, there's institutions that, I, that I'm working for right now. Let's say that I work for Yale um, and, I, and I teach, um, once, once a year I teach the, the, the nursing psych program, uh, but I am able to be invited to teach that, you know, because of my educational background. If I had an associate, I would not be able to do it or a bachelor's or even a master's, you know, but having a doctorate level give me the opportunity for me to have greater impact in my community of nursing. So getting my doctorate um, actually started where my dad used to go around calling, um, introducing me as, this is my daughter, the doctor. And I used to say, dad, you can't tell people I'm a doctor. I'm not a doctor. And he was, no, no, yes, you will be a doctor. So I'm already calling it and I'm already introducing yourself as a doctor. So even after he passed away, I felt compelled for me to honor him by getting, by getting my doctor degree. And it, it, it was a beautiful experience. Um, it was tough, you know, getting a, get, getting a doctoral um, degree is not easy. It was really, really tough. But I can say that if I had to do it all over again, I would, because since I've, since I've obtained my doctoral degree, I can see the impact that I've had in my community, whether if it's my nursing community, my work life community, my community as a whole, just where I'm living and the work that I'm doing and the education that I'm doing with my neighbors and et cetera. Um, it is so beneficial, but also mentoring nurses who would like to get their doctoral degree is also important because when we have our knowledge, our knowledge should not stay to us. That's, that's my spiritual belief, that you have a gift. That gift is meant to be shared. That gift is meant to, um, you know, to impact our society in a greater way. So that's how I decided to get my doctoral degree and follow through um, just for many reasons um, that I just indicated. And continuing education to a doctorate degree really fulfills that intellectual wellness realm, right? Of constantly learning that mental intellectual stimulation and as you said, the more knowledge you have, you show up differently, you have a different impact. And one thing about nurses who are at the bedside, so important to be at the table, the table where decisions are being made that determine your practice, that determine how you care for your patients, that determine what type of care your patients receive. It's so essential. And I think of nursing as a career, not a job. 
So as a career, you always want to continue to learn and have the impact that impacts whatever you're doing in nursing. So you have to think about it as a career. You don't think about it in sense of I'm punching in at seven, punching out at three. That's not how it goes. This is not that type of job. We put in too much work into our education to really obtain our nursing degrees, to you know have the privilege of taking care of patients. And we have to remember that. Sometimes I think we forget that. We forget the struggles or the trials and tribulations of nursing school, which is not easy. <laughs> I remember taking my books everywhere I went when my children were growing up because my children were very active in the community. They played soccer, they, they danced, they, oh my God, every weekend we were somewhere. But when I, everywhere I went, I, I go out with my textbooks, constantly watching a game and reading. Um, I went to bed with my textbooks. <laughs> I woke up with my textbooks. So you are absolutely right. It is, um, it is not easy. But we did it. We're doing it. You know, so therefore, I think that's encouragement and we are empowering others to do it. Um, so important that I think um, that we tend not to do as nurses. And I'm going to recommend for all nurses who are listening to this podcast, get involved um, in, a, in a nursing organization, such as the nurse. Um, the nurses organization, and it and it could be, if you're African American, you know the Black Nurses Organization. If you're professional, professional, some form of organization, because that's another way of continuing your education, um, staying on top of what's going on in your area of practice. Because the beauty of nursing also is that you have so many different areas to choose from, you know, and for you to say this is the area I'm going to focus on. And I would also recommend is, let's say for me personally, I, I focus on mental health. And what I decided to do is, okay, if I'm going to work in mental health, I should have to have um, um, a certification, you know, again, that really indicate that, yes, I, I take not only my profession series, but I, I the area of my, that I'm that I'm really practicing, I want to be an expert. You know, I want to show that I have some level of expertise and by getting your board certification. So I am so happy to see that the hospitals right now are requiring for nurses, um, you know, to be board certified, board certified in something. And that is really an excellent thing. This is another way of furthering your education. This is another way of staying involved in the conversation. And this is another way of your continued growth because it's just not getting your nursing degree and you stop growing. No, the, it's a journey and you have to continuously grow within your profession. No, I totally agree with you there. And you know, one reason why we have this podcast and this platform, we talk about stress. And stress can really blind you from that thought or that mindset. When you're stressed, you can't think through of why am I here? What am I doing? How can I contribute? Because you're so bogged down. So that's why I'm such an advocate of stress management 
for you know our nurses because when you're stressed you, your gifts can't shine you can't shine through that you know Absolutely. so we all have gifts that the world needs and we have to take care of ourselves in order to share effectively share those gifts with the world and and talking about stress i want to get into your research um can you tell us a little bit about your um your research that you did when you were in yes. your doctoral program? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Um, while I was getting my doctorate degree, my professor said to me, Immacula, pick something that you are passionate about, which was right on par with my what my dad has taught me throughout my life. Whatever you do, enjoy it. And if you're not enjoying it, don't do it. It's not worth it. So when she said to me to pick something that I'm passionate about, initially it was really difficult for me to um, find an area that I would um, focus on because that area should be a lifelong journey, right? Because the getting your doctorate degree and your study, um, that's just the beginning of another journey in your life. So... I started thinking and I said, what am I going to focus on that I can never get tired of? And that would keep me up at two o'clock in the morning and I would still be going like the Energizer Bunny. And at that time, my organization was um, looking into implementing uh, a new treatment modality, um, which is um, trauma-informed care at our facility. And part of implementing this particular modality is to assess the health of the institution. Were we really ready you know, for this type of modality to be implemented? So with that, we had to do a survey and the staff were surveyed and, um, and what we found out through the survey is that 75% of employees, you know, we had about 150, employees who participated in the survey. And 75% of those employees said um, they were feeling stressed and they had no outlet to decrease their stress. So what that got me thinking is, let me talk to HR. How is our absenteeism in terms of um, people not coming to work if they are so stressed out? And there was really not much difference with people um, calling out and not coming to work. So people were actually showing up to work, stressed. And then I started talking to the director of nurses and um, the outpatient director of nurses and patient director of nurses. And I said, how does things look like in, in your particular area in terms of the level of care that our clients are getting? Um, for inpatient, did we have increased um, medication errors? Did we have increase of clients going into restraints? Did we have increase of staff members getting hurt? And surprisingly, we had increase in all of those areas. So then I started saying, wow. So people are coming to work. They are stressed. And through their stress, the care of the client was being compromised because of People were in restraints more, in, um, in isolation more, um, um, restraint and seclusion. 
um, they were getting hurt. Um, so we had a lot of people and workers come. And so it was a vicious cycle. So I, and, I, and I started looking into the research um, in terms of um, absenteeism initially. But then I said, but we don't have absenteeism. What's the opposite of absenteeism? And that's when presenteeism, you know, I found presenteeism. And surprisingly, at the time when I did my study, there's not a lot of studies in the United States addressing presenteeism. So when I, when I talk about presenteeism, still to this day, a lot of people don't know what presenteeism is. So presenteeism is a possible manifestation of stress. It is defined as being on the job, but you are performing below par. Your productivity is decreased, and that is due to the impairment of your mental and physical health. Um, employees are physically present, but due to their emotional and physical problems, they are distracted and their work productivity is decreased. And then we have all the other problems, you know, that we have, you know, such as care of our patients are compromised. Um, and that's actually much more costly for organizations than it is for absenteeism. Because absenteeism, you can quantify it. People are not there. You replace that person for that day. The work gets done. But when people are there and the work is not getting done and clients care or compromise, that, acts, that is actually more dangerous. So um, if you want me to continue, I'll con go ahead and keep continuing. If you have another question, please let me know. I just want to say that your research really confirms what's out there. So nurse burnout really leads to problems with patient safety and decreased quality of life. So yes. what you're talking about here is <laughs> it just really confirms what's out there in the need for healthcare institutions to do something to address burnout and stress. Because now with this pandemic, we talk about stress and burnout like they're new phenomenons, and they are not. It's something that we've been dealing with for many years in our profession. And, you know, your research and your survey and the results of that just really confirms what's out there and, you know, the need that we need to do something. Your research was done before the pandemic, correct? It was. It was done before the pandemic. So just to piggyback from what you're saying in terms of burnout. So you have burnout, stress, um, and it's really a vicious cycle. Then what's compromised is your health, your mental health, your physical health, your motivation is decreased. And then that leads to presenteeism. And from presenteeism, you're going to have decreased productivity, which organizations really need to look at, you know, how costly that is. You have reduced job satisfaction and you have increased distraction, which leads to terrible patient care. And then it creates more stress. So it's like a vicious cycle that continues to go around and around. When I did my research and, and looked at the data that was out there, and a lot of the data was not from here from the United States because um, for some reason, we really do not recognize, and maybe we do recognize, we just don't do anything about it, you know, the significance of presenteeism, of people being on the job and, um, and not performing 
the way they should be performing and the how it compromises patient care, which actually put the organizations at a higher liability. Um, so I'm, I, I was really, really shocked as I was doing my research that it was not something that we, as a community here in the United States, that we were not focusing heavily on and to make positive changes. So with, with what do we know? We know that addressing the needs of staff members, you have better, you have better staff when you address the needs of whether it's their physical health or the emotional health. And what the research has shown is that physical fitness is an effective intervention for alleviating symptoms of stress. Um, there's a strong correlation between stress and the impairment of human body, both physically and mentally. And that's been widely reported. I mean, you look at the, the literature that we have, it's been widely reported you know, that we have this problem. But however, we don't seem to really um, take it into account that we need to address the health of our, our staff members compared to other countries who are really pro addressing the needs of their staff members to, get, to have better patient outcomes. And I just want to add that as healthcare professionals, we have to take some responsibility too. We talk mm-hmm. about self-care, health and wellness. Mm-hmm. If we're not feeling well or we are stressed, we have to take the time off without mm-hmm. feeling guilty. Because showing up stressed or just not up to par or your cup is empty, however you want to phrase it, is not good for you, not good for your patients, and not good for the institution. Yes. So i rather see the numbers of ab- ab- absentees or absences higher, right? And patient safety higher and med errors lower, you know, that's what I would rather see. So we have to take some ownership and responsibilities for ourselves to really figure out what do we need and honoring that and giving that to ourselves, even if it means taking a mental health day, taking the week off, using our vacation time. Now that would have been a really interesting um, thing to look at, like how many nurses or healthcare professionals are taking vacation time because many times we're not good at that. <laughs> we're not no. good at taking time off. <laughs> no, no. But you know, our culture doesn't really promote that. So nurses that I've spoken to, especially when I was doing my study, I, you know, I I, I would sit down with them and, and and I said, how many sick how many sick days do you have? And I was surprised. Have you been feeling stressed or overwhelmed in your personal or professional life? You have no idea. I think you should register for the free Stress Solution Series to learn how to craft your personalized stress blueprint. What is it? March 28th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Secure your spot at www.stresssolutionseries.com. A lot of them had tons of sick days. I'm talking about six months of sick days in the bank. And I said, why aren't you using it? And there were multiple reasons why they were not using it. If they were using time to take off, that means their fellow workers then will feel the brunt. Um, there will be more um, individuals that are mandated. And in turn, that will increase the stress level for the unit. So that was one um, rationale that I received. 
Um, another rationale is that organizations frown upon nurses or healthcare workers taking time off to take care of themselves. Um, it's not something that's encouraging. You know, if anything, they could be very punitive, you know, when you do that. So we have to come to a mindset, you know, has a community, healthcare community, to make it acceptable, you know, for people to take care of themselves. Um, so about a year ago, a little bit about a year ago, I went to France and I have some um, friends um, who are currently living there. And when I got there, I surprised them and I said, I'm, I'm, I'm in France. I know I should have told you I wanted it to be a surprise. And I know you can't take time off, but I'm hoping we can get together for dinner. And they said, are you kidding me? This is France. This is not America. <laughs> I said, okay. And they said, we will be taking a week off. And I said, um, wouldn't your supervisors be upset? And, and their response was like, no. Our supervisors would want us to do something like this. And they didn't take the time off at the same time, um, but they took time off to be with me. And then I started talking to them and I said, well, how is, how is your organization like? I mean, you're just able to pick up and go. Um, isn't there any backlash for doing that? And, um, and their response was, no, we really value the health of our employees here. And when our employees are happier, when um, they're taking time off to take care of themselves, we produce more. We are better workers. Um, in actuality, in August, we have the whole entire month of August off. At the place of work, throughout the day, they have wellness interventions that are offered, whether if it's yoga, having a gym, um, and it is required that you take the time and utilize what is being offered. You know, they're very um, wellness focused, which is totally different than what we do here in the United States. And um, so I joked with them. I said, you know, when I become a millionaire, I'm moving to friends. <laughs> Because this fits right along my alley in terms of taking care of the people um, in our industry, you know, and regardless of the industry, whether if it's healthcare or business, what regardless of the industry that you work in, you know, this is very relevant of taking care of your employees. So it was really just a breath of fresh air, so welcoming, you know, to see um, how you know, the, their culture is. And it's just not the place of work. When you go to a restaurant, your plate is very colorful. Um, and they don't use as much, um, you know, or, um, pesticides and, and everything they eat is very fresh. And, and just, you know, in, in terms of, I, I can't drink something hot and then cold um, going in from the hot inside the air conditioning. I mean, there and I can't say this too much because my husband will get upset with me. But when I first got there and I looked at how fit everybody is, I said, "Oh my God, 
And I looked at the guys. I'm like, I've never seen just all these fit men in my life. <laughs> and it was like my husband said, be careful there. <laughs> but it was just so beautiful, you know, to witness that and to be really, you know, part of that um, experience. And we have so much that we could learn from those particular countries and how effective they are in taking care of their employees. And still they are thriving. Their organizations are thriving. We are not, you know, lip years, life years away in terms of the economy, um, away from them um, in terms of making money. So um, we, we, we could have a lot to learn from, from those countries who are taking wellness very seriously. It's so it definitely sounds like a culture change, right? Yes. So we have to really change the culture of, you know, how the world, public health, right? We have to kind of really change that culture of how they look at us specifically, nurses, um, in terms of our wellness. And I think it just kind of brings it full circle. That's why we need to be at the table where these decisions are being made. So we have to, one, identify that it is a problem, two, get together and let's figure out how we can change this mentality. Because as your research shows, patients are suffering. Patients Absolutely. are suffering quality of life and, and then legal, legally, right? So we're putting our, our license at risk. If we are stressed, we're burnt out, we're not performing at our optimal level. We, we are definitely putting our license on the line. So I think we Absolutely. have a lot of work to do. Um, because it's yeah. known it's out there. Now, what do we do about it? Now, Absolutely. what? The research is out there. We have evidence, right, that this is definitely an issue. Now, how do we take it a step further to really implement change in the profession? Absolutely. So joining organizations, being aware of what bills are being looked at, that's going to impact our practice. So we need to get involved. We need to get involved. Um, so I don't want to um, move away from your research. So what did you implement and what were the results of, um, yeah. you know, your implementation of yeah. your program? So, so the, the purpose of my study was to assess for evidence of presenteeism. So I was really looking specifically if in my workplace, if we had evidence that presenteeism was there. So evidence of presenteeism and to evaluate the potential for stress reduction, mental health, physical fitness program that at the time I wanted to call One Body. And One Body um, is based on a holistic whole person, mind and body relationship. So a people understanding is just not taking care of the physical health you know, by going to the gym and you get on the treadmill and, you know, whatever, you do some physical exercise, which is good, but also mentally, you know, having that mind-body relationship of understanding your body and being grounded. So the aim for me was to determine if presenteeism exists in this population, evaluate um, if the person, the people who are being served, the participant exhibit an interest in the workplace-based stress reduction fitness program. So this was a quantitative um, exploratory investigator <clears throat> investigate 
participatory web-based um, survey designed that I um, implement with a convenient sample. Um, the survey instrument included um, 15 closed-ended questions. Um, 113 participants participated of uh, 470 employees were invited to participate, and it was across inpatient and outpatient um, to complete this. And the response rate was about 24%, you know, of individuals who responded. And it was done at the practice site. And I received um, IRB approval, um, both from the university that I was attending and also um, from the institution, my institution, where um, the study was being conducted. So the results that I found, what did the result demonstrated? Um, the results demonstrated a high validity and reliability for each of the question categories. So in terms of the presenteeism response, which I was not really at all surprised, you know, that 74% of respondents um, reported presenteeism. So if you looked at the initial re, um, survey that was done where 75% of individuals were indicating that they were stressed out, you know, this further quantified, you know, that presenteeism existed in the workplace and has for implementation of a, a holistic one body, mind body um, um, program to be implemented, 100% of those who participated um, said yes. You know, they were interested in having a wellness program um, in the institution. Since I um, conducted my study, um, the unfortunate thing that occurred was that we had changes in management. And, um, and the, the changes in management has actually stalled, you know, from me going, moving further um, um, into what I would have liked to implement it. Um, the, the current management that we have right now, um, the CEO is very supportive. Actually, she's very big on wellness and the health of the institution, the clients, the, the, the health of um, the employees. So um, I'm planning to revisit that with her again, you know, based on my study. Actually, now that I'm running for office, um, I'm working with her. I'm working with her on the eight dimensions of wellness um, that we're going to have a day in the park. And I'll give you more information you know, regarding that and, 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 um, and you could disseminate that information with your audience. But um, she is she's extremely supportive. Her name is Alicia Feller. She is um, the CEO for the Department of Mental Health and Addiction in my region. Um, Bridgeport, Stanford, Fairfield County region. And I am actually looking forward to implementing a wellness program um, at the institution for individuals to find ways of releasing their stress. You know, COVID again really exemplified, you know, the need, you know, for people to find outlets, you know, to release their stress. Now, at my place of work, we've been doing a little bit of that, um, uh, addressing the healthcare, um, the health of the individuals. One of the things that we just recently did is that we invited an organization 
um, to do breath exercises with the employees. And I actually participated in that last week. It was really good. Um, the idea was to talk about understanding your stress level, um, finding um, certain techniques, you know, that could help you alleviate your stress, you know, but again, keeping that message going. Um, we were able to do, you know, once a month, uh, you know, like a, we have a room that we have different type of, um, you know, whether if it's music modalities of um, things that interventions that people could utilize for that day for them to come in and try to um, learn how to decrease their stress. So we have different things that we've been doing since then because this particular CEO is very big on that. But I think what we need to do is really um, commit to integrating a wellness program within the institution that's going to be ongoing, but, you know, but for it to be meaningful you know, for, the, um, for the staff and the clients because you know, teaching our clients also, you know, how to deal with their stress is so important um, in mental health. Um, when they are done, when we are done providing care and they are out in the real world, you know, they need to have those tools, you know, they need to have that understanding themselves um, and hopefully for them not to come back again for us to provide that level of care for them. But, um, but what's great with my research is that it could be replicated um, to other institutions who would like to see if there's presenteeism at their workplace. And also, it doesn't have to be the one body or what I imagine, but also what kind of interventions will be meaningful and um, would really be helpful you know, for the culture of that particular organization. It is not a one size fits all. You know, what may work at my institution may not work at your place of work because the culture is a little bit different. Um, but it's addressing the need, the health of the individuals that we provide care to, which is important. Yes. And I want to just say that I know many institutions have implemented different programs or, you know, the EAP to help healthcare providers during this time, during the COVID-19 pandemic. But many of them have reported that healthcare providers are not utilizing the services. And one of the biggest reasons for not utilizing the service, the services is time. They don't mm -hmm. have time. So it really mm -hmm. has to be a culture change on really, you know, building that time into the schedule for healthcare professionals to actually utilize the services. And then on the other end, healthcare professionals have to have a different mindset to say, be open yes. to breath work, be open to yoga, right? So I call it the growth mindset, you know, be open to these different possibilities or interventions that can definitely help you. Because sometimes we're like, well, yoga, I'm not doing yoga. I can't do yoga. Mm -hmm. I can't do this. Breath work, mm -hmm. oh, that doesn't work. Oh, meditation, no. You know, so we have to really look at things differently and yes. be open to it. So there, there's a couple of things that have to change <laughs> in yes. for us to be aligned with institutions to implement these programs for them to be effective. So yeah. there's a lot of work to be done. <laughs> lots, lots of work to be done. But you know, 
it starts from the top, right? Absolutely. If the top encourages that, if the top demands that to occur, it will occur because you you as the CEO or or, or the top level administrators are are saying we have an expectation that you are going to take care of yourself and we're going to allocate the time you know for you to do that and or we're going to put you know different programs in place interventions in place to motivate you you know to making sure that you do that so unless that we get there we we make the commitment you know to doing that then it's really all talk and my dad always said to me and i go back to my dad because he was a wise man <laughs> growing up he always had some slogan you know to, um to to share with me and he was you know it's not talk the talk but it's walk the walk you know if the leaders were to come around and say okay we've made we've we we we've, we've made plans where you know today you know x y and z person is going to cover for you and you are getting off the unit and you are going to you know um um do you know do this type of program and so on and so forth or invite someone you know from the from the unit i mean how beautiful that it would it be you know to have a top level administrator say to two nurses hey i'm going to the gym come with me for 20 minutes you know i mean what that's like such a powerful message that you send it but you know something that's also very simple when i went to france that they were doing that we could be doing here is before their meeting they would start with something positive they would start with some form of meditation and you do not need any thing except for a chair and a little music you know for you to sit down and zone out for 10 15 minutes and has a way of refreshing your staff um it could be a very hectic day but we're having this meeting we're going to incorporate 10 minutes of breath what a beautiful idea you know to implement something that's so simple and it doesn't cost organizations anything you know to you know to do it and it's an opportunity to continuously sending the message of taking care of your body taking care of you so for me with my staff i'm sorry with my staff what i do before each meeting that i have i make sure that we do a little bit of meditation you know i will ask them how about if we do a little and people never turn you down <laughs> they never say i'm not mad into this meditation business i'm not doing it no they welcome it they really welcome it and I, and more more times than the the they're not they'll say oh god could we they themselves say, could we start with some little meditation they can't wait to get into the meeting because they know part of it will be 10 15 minutes of meditation and and their whole day is different since the past two years what i've done is to 150 people i send out morning inspirations you know has a way of starting your day on the right foot now it requires for me to get up a little earlier and for me to commit you know to doing that and um also part of the commitment is putting together 
the inspiration, right? So you got to do a little bit of research. So there's a little bit of work on my part. But for me, that is also a way of reducing my stress and releasing my stress and staying grounded and sharing that. And after two years, people look for that every day. Um, while I was in France, I didn't tell, there's quite a few people I didn't tell that I was going away. And so for a couple of days, they didn't get any inspirations from me. And I was getting text messages, where's my inspiration? Are you okay? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> you just pulled the rope under us, or, you know, things like that. And I, I said, oh my, I, I totally forgot to mention that I was going to be away and, um, and I'm refreshing so that I can, um, you know, come back and inspire you some more, you know, better ways and, and et cetera. But it showed that people liked it and people were paying attention and people were looking forward to it. And when you get up in the day, it is so important that you get off on the right foot because it's going to dictate how the rest of your day is going. And, um, and for me, as many people that I can touch and help, um, it's just such a wonderful thing. Yes, no, that's awesome. And before we get to our rapid fire and wrap up this uh, meeting, do you have any last words for our listeners or what they can do to be part of the solution? Absolutely. Regardless of where you are in the healthcare um, spectrum, you have a voice. You have a voice that you can take to your supervisor and introduce the concept of presenteeism introduce the concept of let's incorporate some form of stress releasing technique and very simple that person can be in a meeting and say oh could we start out by doing some breath work you know five minutes it will turn i believe even the tune of the meeting the way the meeting progress because i've been in meeting meetings that can be Oh my God, I can't wait, you know, to get out or, you know, you can cut, you know, the tension with a knife and, you know, and et cetera, you know, what a wonderful way to start, you know, where we are all coming together in a different space and anyone could do that. And more often than not, I believe that most managers, you know, will say, you know what, I never thought of that. Let's try it. I mean, what's, there's nothing wrong with just trying it and then taking it up and up and up. But it starts with each one of us, you know. Um, hopefully, having it start from the top is the best place for it to start. But if it is not starting at the top, we, each of us, can make a difference in introducing that. And we all know when something has caught on fire, and people are really into it, it catches up to administration and changes will occur. So sometimes the change may need to occur from bottom up because if we're waiting from top down, it may not. So that would be my recommendation um, you know, to folks who are listening. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, we are all change agents. doesn't matter where we are on the spectrum, as you said. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for your time. Is it okay if I take you through a quick rapid fire before we Absolutely. wrap up? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And I and some of those rapid fire I love because belly laughs comes out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, yes. 
Well, tell me the first thing that comes to your mind or the first answer that comes to your mind as we kind of go through this. So let's get started. Wellness means? Wellness means of always staying grounded and always being true to yourself and listening to your body and doing something about it. My go-to stress management solution is? Go to, oh, wow. I love walking. I love going out and just fresh air, listening to the birds, um, looking at the sky, you know, feeling the sun on my skin. That is an intervention that anyone, you know, throughout the day you could use. There are times that nurses, I've encouraged nurses who are, if they're having a tough day, I would say, okay, it's time for you to get out and get some fresh air. And, um, and that's what all managers, I encourage all managers or anyone who's in leadership position to give their staff an opportunity to do that because it is just a way of um, recharging again and, and coming back and, you know, taking a deep breath. Awesome. And the last time I had a belly laugh was? <laughs> I have. Well, right now, but I have to say that for me, laughter is the best medicine. So I am laughing throughout the day and things that used to make me upset in the past. Now I'm just like, ah, you just can't make this stuff up (laughs) when you see the craziness that goes on. So um, laughter is and, you know, this is something that we all do, that we all should do. Um, there are times if I'm having a tough day, I would just go on YouTube, you know, um, laughter and watch something for five minutes, you know, change my mindset um, or even music. Music is so powerful, so powerful. Um, just I have doing my day and every day, actually, I dance. I would go on my playlist. And my husband would say, oh, there she goes again. And that's really my way of recharging. And I would say, and I, and I love Zumba. So I would start dancing and, <laughs> and then I'm refreshed again and I'm back. And, and it brings you back with, you know, you are recharged and you're able to see whatever you're working on in a different light. And that's really awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. What's your favorite movie? Wow. This is a tough one because I just... I love historicals and I just um, finished watching a couple of weeks ago, um, the Queen's Gambit. Um, And that one is not an historical, but I just finished watching the Borgias and Versailles. I don't know if I've I've been to Versailles in, um, in France and boy, it is just magnificent. So coming back, from friends and watching that series was just, uh, you know, I love, I love historicals. So I don't have a particular um, um, movie, but I would say that I have a particular style of shows and movies that I like to watch and primarily historical, historical movies. I love to watch. Awesome. And our last question is, what are you grateful for today? I am grateful for my health. I'm grateful for the opportunity for me to sit down with you and have this wonderful conversation. I'm grateful for the work that you are doing and so many others are doing within our profession. 
I'm grateful for the change agents of our world and making our lives better, making our communities a better place to live. Um, and I'm grateful for my husband, for my children, my grandchildren. And every day I'm grateful for the opportunity for me to say to my higher power, my God, thank you for blessing everyone out there. So gratitude for me personally is so important. And um, just having, you know, this cup of coffee, you know, and having the ability to buy the coffee, to make the coffee, to have a roof over my head, you know, um, one exercise that I do is at the end of the day, before I go to sleep, is that I would write down all the things that I'm grateful about and, and all the things that I did. And wow, that was wonderful to have those opportunities to do them. And the next morning when I wake up, I look at that list. And what a beautiful way to start with gratitude in your heart. And when you have gratitude in your heart, it really is infectious because you want to share that gratitude and get people on board and feeling how wonderful it is to have gratitude in your heart. Um, and it starts all over again, you know. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm grateful that I am blessed. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Kim, for spending your time with us. I really appreciate it. And we'll have to have you back again. Thank you. And I would love to be back again. I appreciate it. Thank you all for listening. Thank you. Blessings to everybody. And we'll talk again soon. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. Between episodes, you can follow the Nurse Wellness Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Before you go, I would love to share a free mindfulness ebook with you. Go to stressblueprint.com backslash 35 and download your free copy. Until next time, go out and be your best, do your best, and give your best. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Beyond the Paper Gown, hosted by Dr. Mitzi Crockover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App, and that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.